Welcome to Running Up the Score. I am Alex Kennedy, and this is my new show that airs every Tuesday and Friday evening. Today, we have a very exciting show. I am joined by Tim Martin, an NBA trainer who has worked with Victor Wembanyama, Trey Young, Rudy Gobert, Tyrese Maxey, and many others. We're going to talk to Tim about Wemby's debut with the San Antonio Spurs, what he showed in the preseason, how he's dealing with this Wemby mania hype, and much more. Then I'm joined by NFL writer Tyler Dunn of Go Long. He does a great job covering the NFL. We're going to talk all things football, talk about the upcoming NFL trade deadline, which is next Tuesday, and much more. Let's get to my interview with Tim. I am joined by a special guest today. He is an NBA trainer that has worked with a ton of different players. He's worked with Victor Wembanyama, Rudy Gobert, Nick Claxton, Trey Young, Tyrese Maxey, many others. Uh, and we had to bring him on after Wemby's first game to talk about how he looked, maybe some of his preseason action. I am joined by Tim Martin. Tim, how are you? Hey, man, I appreciate you having me, man. Congrats on the new show. Thank you so much. So for people that don't know, you've been working with Wemby since 2020. Uh, initially, you guys started doing some workouts uh, virtually over Zoom, and then he's now obviously worked out with you a bunch in person and some of your other players. Uh, let's talk about his first game. So he finishes with 15 points, five rebounds, three threes, two assists, two steals, and a block. Shot six of nine from the field, three of five from three. Uh, definitely seemed like in the fourth quarter, he kind of felt more comfortable and, and was scoring a bit more. What were your takeaways from Wemby's NBA debut? Man, I, I think um, the biggest takeaway is just, you know, it's just going to take time. I mean, obviously he had a good game, um, but I think, you know, what, uh, what a lot of people don't tend or what they tend to overlook is the atmosphere. You know, I mean, if, I don't know if you saw a lot of the, the clips before the game even started, but I mean, the fan base was just electric in there. You know, it, it yeah. felt like the NBA finals, but I think just for him, um, just, you know, Figuring out his role on the team, um, not just with him, but everybody else on on the roster, um, allowing people to get in the groove. I mean, it, it's like this. It, it's nothing different than any other NBA team or situation. I think as an NBA rookie, for him, it's just going to take time. But he he does a great job of, of keeping his head on the right track and doing what he can defensively and offensively. What were some things you saw during the preseason? I know he had that game against the Heat that, you know, the clip went viral and everyone's thinking, how do you stop this guy? Especially once he's in his prime. I mean, he's out there blocking shots left and right. He's draining threes, step backs. I mean, it just looked like he could do whatever he wants out there. Uh, what were some of your takeaways from the preseason? Um, I, I think it was great, man, just for him to be able to find his rhythm and and start to build out his identity as a player. You know, I, clearly he's he's been a, a an alien, so to speak since day one um, in his skill set. But I think really understanding how to continue to get to his spots, you know, finding his rhythm and timing on his shooting from the outside. Um, he, he found, a, you know, holes in the defense very early, um, off the ball too, flashing, cutting, doing a little bit of everything. So um, I expect him to continue to have success throughout the season and just continue to learn, man. That's, that's really what all this is about. It's as long as he's learning something new every practice, in every game, those takeaways is just going to make him an overall better player in the long run. I think you said in an article last year uh, with Yahoo Sports that he could be one of the best, if not the best defender in the NBA from day one, just with his length and ability to block shots. You've even seen it, you know, in the preseason and, and last night. There's times when players think they have a one-on-one -on -one, and then out of nowhere, he just comes and blocks a shot. Kyrie, his first block was like that. You know, you could tell Kyrie wasn't even thinking about him and then he gets a block. Um, do you think the defense is going to translate quicker just because, you know, it, it does come so easy for him with the length and athleticism? Uh, what are your thoughts on kind of his defense and how that will translate? 
Yeah, well, to me, I mean, he's he's always been a great off-ball defender. Um, clearly, he could cover sideline to sideline or he could eat a lot of space very quickly um, on dribble penetration. But, you know, for Victor, he's always been interested on defense. And I think a lot of players, especially young guys coming into this league, you know, you have to be interested in playing defense. And um, with his wingspan and his size, even with his hands, you know, there's a lot of things that Victor does that doesn't even show up on the box score, you know, um, and clearly he's going to get his deflections and block shots, but his presence alone is forcing teams to to move the ball to one side of the floor and getting guys to think, you know, about shooting the ball. I mean, I think you saw Clay Thompson um, during the Warriors game, you know, after that block shot that Victor had on, uh, you know, the next few shots, he had to speed up a little bit. So, when we talk about controlling tempo as coaches, you know, you want players like Victor that could really shift momentum points in, into your team's favor and really control uh, spacing um, just because of how big he is. Yeah, and to your point about him caring about defense and wanting it, uh, in that same article by Kristen Peak, uh, she talks about how Tyrese Maxey uh, was training with Wemby and Wemby asked him, will you play one-on-one with me and I'll just stay on defense the entire time. And Tyrese is like, I've never had a player ask me to just play defense against me in one-on-one, but you know, he wanted to keep trying to stop him and, and guard him, which I think is so cool. I mean, the fact that he works on his defense so much and cares about it, I think that's, that's great. You don't want, you want to see that if you're a coach, that's a lot for anyone, uh, especially a teenager. Bro. What are your thoughts on his mental makeup and, and how he's kind of dealing with that? Um, I, I think he's fine. He's doing a great job just like always. Um, I think he's used to it, you know, because with with who he is as a person, he does a phenomenal job of compartmentalizing uh, what comes at him. You know, he's a very structured person, um, but it's a real testament, not just to him, but, you know, with his circle, you know, with his agents, with Boone and Jai and, and Jeremy um, and, and his marketing team with Issa and all the, the people that are around him, along with his family, you know, his mom and dad, um, they, they do a phenomenal job of, of keeping him, his, his head on straight and, you know, uh, tell him what he needs to hear, you know, not just what he wants to hear. And so when you have a, a humble circle like that, um, and then obviously the Spurs are an outstanding organization, um, it can be a distraction. I think it's it's human nature for anybody, you know, to get this amount of attention and it not kind of deter you at times. But he's a constant professional. And I think it's just who he is in terms of his old, old soul. Um, he knows what he needs to accomplish. And he's a very driven individual. So I don't ever see that, you know, uh, becoming an issue for him because out of anybody, he's the one guy in this world that could handle. You mentioned at the top, or I mentioned at the top, just about how initially he started training with you over Zoom and kind of watching you do different things and he would replicate it. He was 16 years old at that time, uh, if I believe. Um, How did you guys initially link up? Because, you know, he was obviously in France. Um, How did you guys initially meet? and, And can you kind of tell that story for people that don't know your relationship? Yeah, so um, I've been working alongside uh, his agency, um, Comsport, which is based out of in Europe, and they have players like Rudy Gobert, um, Evan Fournier, and, and all the the top players from Europe really go through through their agency, and they do a phenomenal job. Um, it's like family, you know, with Buna and, and Jeremy leading the way. Um, so working with their players prior, um, you know, kind of got me into the spill, and they'd always talk about, hey, we got this new kid coming up the ranks. You know, his name's Victor. Uh, women Yama. And so you got to take a look at them. And so that's just kind of how the relationship started. And then uh, COVID happened. And during that time, we had to figure out a way to really converse and, and interact. And so 
Um, thank God for Zoom. You know, that was kind of the, the new wave of virtual workouts, so to speak. So that's how we started. And then, you know, did a lot of film breakdowns and communication. And I think um, that's really where our relationship started was teaching through the communication, getting him to understand the, the language of basketball here in the States and, and understanding the movements and the nuances that he's going to need as a big man in this league. I feel like the first time I heard about Victor was when the clip of him going up against Rudy kind of went viral and people were like, man, this guy's making Rudy look smaller and he's holding his own despite being so young. When did you first realize that Victor might be, you know, a generational prospect, a special, a special player? Probably um, during the finals of the, uh, I think it was the U-19 uh, game against Chet and the USA team. So I was working also with Mike Miles, who was the point guard for the USA team. And I think Victor was still, what, maybe 17, playing against guys that were older than him. Um, And they just battled it out. And so, you know, seeing Chet, obviously he's one of the best up-and-coming players in high school um, here in the States. You know, to see him and Victor go toe-to-toe with each other, um, and it's it's not even so much about that particular game. That was kind of the stamp for me that I was like, hey, this kid could be special. But just watching all of his clips before and how cerebral and agile he was um, in his movements, you know, at seven four, seven five, you just don't see guys that are that fluent in their their coordination. You know, so skill set for me as a trainer is easy to coach. But what's difficult is mindset and how people move. And that's just a natural ability that Victor has. And so when you when you bring the mindset and you have somebody that's very well coordinated and understands their body, adding the skill set is the easy piece. The last piece of the puzzle is, is pretty simple. His flexibility blows my mind, too. There was that video that Bleach Report shared. I tweeted it the other day where he's doing splits and uh, just... It's things that you should never be able to do if you're, you know, seven feet tall, much less his size. I was blown away by, you know, his ability to do splits and just, you know, the way he moves. Uh, the flexibility is insane. Uh, is that something that you guys have worked on over time? Is that something that's just natural for him? Because that was really shocking to me. That's maybe crazier than anything he's done on the court, which is pretty telling. Yeah. Now, if if I could do the splits, man, he would just be a bad, bad side. My hips is <laughs> torn up. My knees is bad. So I'm not even remotely trying to take any credit for anything. Um, you know, his, his trainer, Guillaume, is, is, is one of the best in the world at what he does. I'm um, working on his body and, and they've been working together for some years now. And uh, it's a testament to his team. And, and again, Victor is just a very well disciplined player that is very in tune with himself along with his body. And so um, it's, it's pretty impressive because. I can't even remember. I'm, I don't think I've ever attempted to do the splits in my life. So, you know, kudos to him <laughs> and, and staying, you know, flexible. Yeah, watching that, I was kind of like wincing, like, oh, I can't even imagine doing it. But it's crazy. I mean, it seems like, uh, you know, he's super flexible, doing all the right things, not only to be able to dominate at this level, but also stay healthy. Uh, it's it's great to see. Um, what are some conversations you guys have had as far as maybe goals for this season or what would be a successful rookie year for him? Have you guys talked about that at all? Yeah, you know, some of the, some of the things that we talk about is just usually between us. Um, yeah, whether it's short term, long term, but for him, it's it, he knows what he needs to do. You know, um, and I think it's just you have to get allow yourself room to grow. You know, everybody's always going to put their expectations on what 
what these NBA players should be or, you know, what they should be on and off the court. But I think for Victor, he he knows what he wants for himself um, and he knows what he needs to do um, game in and game out. I think the main priority in all of this is just being consistent, you know, consistent with his routine, um, developing healthy patterns on and off the court, and then continuing to educate himself and, and engage in conversation with Coach Pop and the staff and, and just continue to mentally um, – be prepared to try to get a good push to make the playoffs and try to extend and expand his, his overall game. How beneficial is it being in San Antonio with not only Coach Pop, but also, you know, some legendary players that can be role models, maybe Tim Duncan, David Robinson, Mario Ginobili, Tony Parker. Uh, I know he already kind of has a relationship with Tony from everything overseas, but um, how beneficial is that? And then also the supporting cast seems kind of perfect for him as well. You know, that landing spot, I think, couldn't have been better. Can you kind of speak to just how, how perfect it is for him? Yeah, well, I think, you know, you know, I'm, I'm from Texas, so I'm going to be a little biased. You know, this <laughs> is home for, for not just him, it's myself too. Um, but, you know, and it's in the South, you know, is a Southern hospitality. And San Antonio has been a great smaller market um, since they entered the NBA, you know. And you alluded to, to some of the greatest players at their position all the time, and Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, and Ginobili. Um, and then you got Pop all-time winning as coach. So I think when you have a, a nice stew of success, you know, what you're dealing with is people that have, have walked the walk and talked the talk. So experience is very prevalent to anybody's um, success in terms of mentorship or what have you. So um, with the experience that he's around and then with the circle that's been put together for, for Victor, you know, there is no limit. You know, some people say sky's the limit, but for him, there's just no limits to how far it could go. Yeah, the fact that you're there, too. I mean, I texted you uh, on lottery night. I mean, that also is so perfect. You're right in his backyard and, and you're able to help him and, and be around. I mean, it's just it feels like the perfect situation for him all around. Um, so last question, you kind of just mentioned it there. But if he's able to realize his full potential, what could I mean, I know LeBron has said it. Giannis has said it that, you know, he could be one of the best players of all time. What do you think his ceiling is? Uh, I mean, I don't think we've seen a player with his upside, uh, just given the full package and length, athleticism, everything. What do you think his his ceiling or um, his untapped potential is? There's no telling. I think I think it's endless. And I'll put it to you like this. Anytime you try to describe uh, somebody like him, that's when you know he just has that hit factor. And you can't even really put it into words on, you know, what his potential is. It's clearly is it's very high. It's unlimited, but it's going to go above and beyond to where it's not even related to basketball. I think just who he is as a person. Um, if you listen to some of the interviews he's done and just when you actually talk to Victor, he's just one of the most fascinating individuals I've ever personally met. And so I think his influence on the game of basketball will go above and beyond just what he's doing on the court. He's he's just, just a very special, unique uh, player in, in person. Last question. Your Cowboys are four and two. How are you feeling about your uh, Dallas Cowboys? Man, I'm hurting, man. You know, I, I got to, <laughs> we play every Sunday. I'm going to therapy on Monday, you know, just for the <laughs> Cowboys. And uh, the good, the only thing that's allowing me to get through this, this agony, uh, even though we are four and two, is that the Texas Rangers are in the World Series. So, there you, you know, go. we, we could, we won the pennant and we, we, in the World Series, so hopefully we'll bring the, the championship home. Um, and then in the Cowboys, I just want us to get, you know, to January, and then maybe we could revisit that, that question. So <laughs> we'll see how it goes.
There you go. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Good luck to your Rangers. Uh, everyone, make sure you guys follow Tim on social media. Tim Martin underscore TX does a fantastic job. As I mentioned, has trained a ton of NBA players. You should be following him. And yeah, thanks so much for your time, Tim. Uh, Alex, thank you, man. And congrats on the new show. Thanks a lot. Yeah, like I said, good luck to your Rangers. Hopefully next time we talk, we got some uh, celebrating to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Take care. All right, man. I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Prize Picks. If you haven't tried daily fantasy sports on prize picks, you are missing out. Here's how it works. You pick two to six players and whether they'll score more or less points than their prize picks projection. If you're right, you win big. You can win 25 times your money on any entry. At prize picks, you aren't competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections. Prize picks offers projections on every sport. NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, and more. You can mix and match players from different sports, so you could have Stephen Curry and Patrick Mahomes in the same entry, for example. If you download PrizePix today and use the promo code RUNNING, they'll double your deposit up to $100. That's promo code RUNNING, and they'll double your first deposit up to $100. It takes 30 seconds or less to build a lineup. To show you how easy it is, I'll build a lineup right now. All right, so let's go over to PrizePix. They have a ton of different stats here, points, rebounds, assists. You can combine different stats. I'm going to go with assist for tonight. Uh, let's go Trey Young. Where's Trey? There he is. More than nine assists. And then I'm going to go down here. And let's go Luca. More than 7.5 assists. Let's do a $10 entry. Just like that, we're good to go. Thanks again to PrizePix for sponsoring this episode. Use that promo code RUNNING, like running up the score, and they will double your first deposit up to $100. That is the promo code RUNNING. Let's get back to the show. Thanks to Tim for joining me. Now I'm joined by a terrific NFL writer. He has some amazing features at golongtd.com. He is Tyler Dunn. You should follow him on Twitter if you already aren't, at Ty Dunn, D-U-N-N-E. Tyler, how are you? Doing good, man. Thanks so much for having me, Alex. It's been great to uh, follow you from afar. Prolific dude. So to be sitting here talking shop with you means a lot, man, especially that you get the Bucks hat on. And uh, it, it was a lot of fun heading down there to Tampa for, for a few stories over the offseason. Fun team. They, they kind of got screwed last night. I don't know what you feel about that. Clearly a penalty, but clearly you want Chris Godwin turning around and catching the Hail Mary, too. Yeah, I think we screwed ourselves for about three and a half quarters until the end there. Um, but they turned it on at the end. And I, yeah, that was definitely a frustrating play, seeing the pass interfere and seeing Godwin come so close to catching it. But yeah, I've, I've been a big NFL fan for a long time. You know, I, I'm, it's been fun having the show, being able to talk some NFL with people because I've always just done NBA stuff. Um, but your work, man, I have to say, you do a fantastic job. You mentioned those Buck stories. If anyone hasn't checked those out, Rashad White, Carlton Davis, uh, Amazing profiles. I think you're as good of anyone, as good of a profiler and, and feature writer as anyone in sports media right now. Um, you do such a good job of getting guys to open up and tell interesting new anecdotes and, and things like that. So if anyone hasn't checked them out, they absolutely should. Uh, what are some of your favorite ones you've written? Man, I really appreciate the kind words too. I mean, the fact that anybody can just hit pause on life. You know, we're all crazy. We're all refreshing our social media feeds and running kids around and at this frenetic pace. So I don't take that for granted. Like you actually take like 20, 25 minutes to like read a story. So thank you, Alex. Uh, yeah, man. Favorite stories. I'm thinking of recent stories. You know, those buck ones were pretty fun. Rashad white, just an unbelievable human being. Right. And you always kind of tiptoe around talking about these players as, as people. I think everybody that's been around Rashad white can tell he's, he's kind of special with his wiring and what he's been through. 
right? Breaking into abandoned buildings, living in the cup with the cockroaches to survive Juco. And, but I, you know, what's kind of near the top of the list, I guess recently was just sitting down with a Zay Jones. Um, mm. You know, I live here in Buffalo, New York. I remember when they drafted Zay, all the expectations, the pressure, the drop he had against the Carolina Panthers in week two. And then he's all over TMZ trying to throw himself out of a window in Los Angeles, 30 floors high. And, and nobody knows why nobody knows how in the hell he got to this place mentally, how he got himself out. And a, a few years later, you know, he gets to the Raiders, he gets to the Jaguars. He's in a good place. Had an unbelievable 2022 with the Jaguars run to get to the playoffs. So I just thought it might be time uh, if, if he was open to it to kind of get into all of that, like what led him to that place and how did he get out? And he, he really did open up more than I could have imagined, which that's what it's about. Like if, if guys are willing to sit down and, and open up like that, uh, and if people are willing to read, I guess I'll go long and myself can exist in this crazy sports media world. So I'm, I'm just so fortunate. And in Zay, just another just an unbelievable person who's been through so much. I, I can't imagine what that was like for him to see your life flash before your eyes, to have substances in your body that you don't, you don't even know what they were because you didn't get the toxicology report because you didn't want to know. Um, and now here he is with the Jags making play after play. It's it's pretty crazy. Yeah, I think in all of those pieces, uh, the guys are just so candid and you get them to open up. So you do a fantastic job of that. Um, the Zay Jones one is very, very good read too. Just if anyone hasn't seen that, uh, it, it was a crazy story. And for him to kind of open up and relive it and, and talk about just how far he's come was, was really cool. Um, I want to talk about this year's NFL season. Uh, it's been a fun season. There's been a lot of unfortunate injuries and some some really bad football. <laughs> there's a lot of bad teams, but at the top, there's a ton of really interesting contenders. Uh, I'm curious. Let's start with the NFC. Uh, when you look at the Eagles, the Niners, the Lions, who are who's your favorite to come out of the NFC at this point? And what are your thoughts of kind of the the, the top teams in that in that conference? Right. Well, so when we we're uh, scheduling this this podcast, you know, I think we were considering last week and I would have been gung-ho Detroit Lions right singing their praises <laughs> I spent a little time around Dan Campbell's bunch uh, over the summer and it's it's admirable how they built this thing up because right they, the hype has been building it's it's insane in Detroit right now they're selling out Ford Field to capacity it's deafening um it's a lot like Green Bay Wisconsin was like in the mid-90s when Brett Favre Reggie White Mike Holmgren turned that thing around they're feeling like that in the city so it's, it's really cool to see and be around. Uh, and I, I think they just done it differently. They didn't make the big trade. They didn't make the big free agent signing. They didn't tank for the quarterback. They just meticulously built a true team, one through 53, guys who are going to face adversity, crush that adversity. They get to know the person beyond the metrics. And it, it's, it's not corny when you hear Dan Campbell talk. He means it. Like there's substance to what he says. And you've got an innovative play caller in Ben Johnson. Aaron Glenn has turned that defense around. The secondary was reset. And then they play Lamar Jackson, and it looks like that nobody knew how to play football for one game. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I think it's an anomaly. I think the Lions will be, will be fine. You know, there's a reason Lamar Jackson is, what, like 13, 14, and one against NFC teams, something like that, because they're not used to playing it. Like, crazy. And there's a reason Mike Tomlin loves playing Lamar Jackson. He gets in his head. He, he knows Lamar as well as Lamar knows Lamar. So I think that unfamiliarity is why they kind of got wiped out. And, and within the NFC, I think they're the, they've got the best shot to uh, dethrone Philly. I mean, it's Philly. They're the best team of the conference. They proved it, even though they got an assist from the officials. Haven't seen a one-sided officiating game like that in quite some time. It was pretty bad. 
Uh, but they still thump Miami. And they, there's, there's a, like a ruthless simplicity what they do uh, beyond the tush push, which is, I, I like it. I know people hate it. It's I like, like it if, too. Yeah, if it was, it, was, it was so easy to do and so automatic, other teams would be converting it as much as Philly does, and they can't. So keep doing it. Keep force-feeding the ball to A.J. Brown. Like the dichotomy there of Mike McDaniel and the Miami Dolphins and this ability to just innovate and create offense and invent. I can't imagine what their practices are like when they're just trying new things and experimenting. And then you got Philly, where their offensive line coach, Jeff Stoutland, you know, he loves repeating that that line. Uh, I think it was Bruce Lee. I got to paraphrase because I don't have it right in front of me, but like it's better to just like perfect one kick 10,000 times and, and not know like 10,000 different kicks. Like that's kind of Philly. Like they can yeah, do yeah. one thing so well and everybody knows their job on that one play, whether it's a tush push or just chucking it up to A.J. Brown. <laughs> it's going to be hard to stop. So I think it's Philly. Then I think it's Detroit. And here's San Francisco doing what San Francisco always does. They look great. You know, if they're at full strength, they're unstoppable. But one or two players go down and they lose to the Cleveland Browns and the Minnesota Vikings. And who, know, who knows where their season goes from here. Yeah, well said. Um, looking at the AFC, there seem like there's a lot of contenders. I mean, the Chiefs, Dolphins are at the top, I think. They're probably the top tier. The Bills uh, have looked kind of weird this season. They haven't looked like themselves. I don't know. Uh, their record is good, but they don't look like the the dominant team we've seen in the past. I know in the broadcast last night, they were saying that, you know, they were trying to save Josh Allen for the playoffs, but they weren't playing as well. So they realized maybe we won't be able to go deep in the playoffs if we're saving Josh Allen and not having him run. So I'm curious to see if they start using him more and having him run the ball. Uh, you mentioned the Ravens. Uh, I'm a bigger believer now of the Ravens than I was a week ago. Uh, the Jags. I mean, there are some really good teams out in the AFC. What is your thought on kind of the the AFC contenders and, and who's your top pick there? Can we talk about the Bills? I live here in Buffalo and... Man, it's so frustrating. It was frustrating in March when you've got Sean McDermott and even Brandon Bean, I believe, too, harping on this as a talking point. It's almost like the Bills sat down with their public relations department and said, all right, guys, number one narrative for the offseason, Josh needs to be careful. We need to <laughs> over-sanitize his game. He needs to turn into, you know, a little bit of Trent Edwards, right? Maybe a little bit of uh, check down Trent. And or Captain Checkdown, God, I can't mess up that nickname that they had for here in <laughs> Buffalo, uh, with a with a with a dose of JP Lossman and a little bit of Kelly Holcomb. I mean, it was the most insane thing I've seen in an NFL offseason. Like the reason that the, everybody is employed in getting promoted to other teams to become GMs to become head coaches, the reason players are getting paid, the reason the Buffalo Bills are a Super Bowl contender is because Josh Allen is Josh Allen. He yep. improvises, he stiff arms, he jumps over linebackers, he does what he did last night where he's crossing the goal line and he's taunting the guy with the football looking right at his eyes. Like, get the hell out of his way. Like, what, what are you doing trying to do change him at all? If anything, go pay for a lineman. Go draft better lineman. Like, work around the really good thing that you have. Because I think they got into his head. The Jets game was a disaster where he did force it and it kind of, I guess strengthen their narrative, but I, more than anything, I think I think they just got into his head and it affected his play in a negative way. So you know they get halfway through the season, they really don't have an identity beyond Allen, Force feeding Stephon Diggs. So they get out of his way, and that first half against Tampa Bay was as, as well as the offense has played all season. So I I don't know, like if you're if you're worried about hits adding up and Josh Allen 
you know, going the way of Cam Newton. You know, it was about this point of Cam Newton's career when he started going downhill and the injuries started adding up because he did take all those hits. I can't, I don't, I just don't think you can live in fear. Like if you're going to live in fear, you're not, you're never going to sniff the Super Bowl. You've got a window. You've got an opportunity right now. Just go for it. So hopefully they realized it as an organization, like for the Bills sake, it seemed like they did. But of course, Sean McDermott also just gets in the Bills way and they almost blow the game because they punt at midfield on their final four possessions. I mean, they're trying to keep Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in this game. And it took Chris Godwin not turning around for a Hail Mary. And it took the officials not calling a DPI on, you know, everybody else on that play for Buffalo to win. So I, I think it's great. Yeah, it looks like Josh Allen can be himself. He's back. They're a Super Bowl contender because of that alone. Yeah. But also Sean McDermott's the head coach. This is Marty Schottenheimer. This is Dan Reeves. He is a defensive-minded head coach who I get it. You can look at the charts and they tell you he will go for it on fourth down. When push comes to shove, he's not going to take the chance that a Doug Peterson does, that Andy Reid does, Nick Sirianni, like we see these coaches do. And I, I hope he changes for Buffalo's sake, but I wouldn't hold my breath. Yeah, and the fact that you had Josh Allen, you know, leave the game, even very temporarily last night with, uh, I think it was a shoulder injury, but back in the tent. And at, that was basically after... Uh, two straight run plays. Uh, you got to wonder if now that's going to also affect their decision-making here and how to use it because here that, we go, you know, right? that's their biggest fear and it did happen. He did have to go to the 10 and he obviously could play through it, but I'm sure having a you know long break until their next game will help. But yeah, I'm very curious to see how they continue to use Allen, if they're going to you know kind of unleash him a bit or if they're going to continue with this uh, approach that they kind of had all year. Um, so in the AFC, would you say the, the Dolphins, the Chiefs, who would be your top pick? Uh, I agree the Bills... Have a chance, but they need I didn't even answer your out. question. No, it's okay. I, I love the Bills rant. That was great. Uh, I'm curious though. A, a, uh, Dolphins, Chiefs. Who are you? Who do you have coming out of the AFC as of right now? It's the Chiefs, I think. Right now, it it's kind of the way it's always been in the NFL. Chiefs in the AFC, Eagles in the NFC. I just think that Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. Andy Reid's not going to get in his way. You didn't hear it during the offseason. The Chiefs saying that you no, know, Patrick Mahomes, he's got to stop running around, right? Like we just won a Super Bowl, but he wrecked his ankle. We got to be careful. Well, look, that injury, like most injuries, even Lamar Jackson, it, ha it happens in the pocket. So they they just get it. They innovate. They do little things to like think ahead, right? Like they, they, they'll, they'll try out certain players early in the year, like a Clyde Edwards-Lair. You know, they, he was getting the ball a lot in week one and week two. It's like, why? Well, they're probably just like toying around with him, seeing what they have. They're almost like the Golden State Warriors. Like they just kind of know they'll be in the playoffs. They'll be competing for Super Bowls. Everybody else will freak out over their offense for a week or two and wonder if the Chiefs are stale and what's going on. Oh, they need a wide receiver. Like, no. As long as they have Mahomes, as long as they have Kelsey, Andy Reid is smart enough as an offensive mind to figure it out around that. And and they are, right? They'll they'll be fine. And defensively, they're they're dang good. Steve Spagnola always is. He understands how to face these elite quarterbacks today. But Miami's interesting. Uh, Mike McDaniel is a genius. He is the smartest man in the room without ever acting like the smartest man in the room, which is so admirable. He's unbelievably likable. And I, I just feel like when they're at full strength, which is a big if, but once they get A-chan back with Mostert, with Tyreek Hill, with Jalen Waddell, uh, Braxton Berrios, and then Tua as the trigger man, I just, I just feel like Mike McDaniel's going to have something up his sleeve. The thing is, I'm not worried. Not worried about the offense. Like they'll, they'll be able to win a shootout against anybody. Yeah. The defense, though, you're right. Vic Fangio came in. I think we all assumed 
their defense would be vastly improved. And it really isn't. It's 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 worse, if anything. So I maybe Jalen Ramsey helps you out there. He's been out all season. Um, you know, Jalen Phillips has been banged up a little bit. They they do have to improve on that side of the ball, though. I think to to be in that class with the Chiefs, it's the champ. Yeah, to, to beat the champ, you got to knock out the champ. And it's Mahomes. It's Jalen Hurts. I mean, those are the two best teams right now. Yeah, this Sunday will be fun watching uh, them face off overseas. Uh, Dolphins, Chiefs. You got a revenge game for Tyreek. Uh, that'll be a ton of fun. Uh, the NFL trade deadline is Tuesday, and there's been some rumors floating around. Derrick Henry's name has popped up as a guy that could be on the move. Uh, Chase Young, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy. There's a lot of these names that are popping up. And even though it's not usually as crazy as the NBA trade deadline, uh, it seems like there's quite a few rumors this year. Do you think we'll have an active deadline? And, and what are your thoughts on some of these names that have kind of surfaced? I think so. I think that the NFL, I think these teams are kind of wising up. Like for the longest time, draft currency was like untouchable. Like you you, you didn't think about trading picks. And then here comes Les Snead, Sean McVay, and the Rams two years ago, right? As the expression goes, F them picks. Just yeah. literally any picks they have, they're just pawning them off for veterans to go for it to win a Super Bowl. That's not really a sustainable model. Uh, they had to push a lot of money down the line. And when you don't have draft picks, you can't rebuild. So we're not going to see a team go to that extreme. But I do think they kind of opened the doors to like, look, if, if you're going to get fired, like if, you, if, you, if there's a chance anybody could get fired a year, two, three years down the line, I think everybody kind of lives in that reality. The pressure is real in the NFL. And you think you've got a team that can get into the playoffs, win a couple playoff games. You just said how so much of the NFL is terrible. It's true. I think there's going to be middling teams that convince themselves that they can compete for a Super Bowl and they're going to aggressively trade picks for a player. And then it just takes two to tango. Like, is there a team out there that does, like, a, like their ownership is strong enough to where the GM and the head coach they do feel strong enough that they're going to keep their jobs, right? Even if they're bad for a year or two and they want those picks, they want to rebuild. They want to look to the future and they're, and they're just kind of trying to move off the good players that they have. I, I think that those teams are out there and those players are out there. And I, you know, the, uh, the trade deadline predictions are like the ugly cousin of mock drafts and power rankings. And, you know, <laughs> it's such a, such a grift this time of year. And uh, I would definitely just be pulling scenarios out of my butt to like throw teams and players at you. But I do, here's what I'll say. This is why the Vikings 49er game was fascinating last week because they've got, the Vikings have players that they can move off of, right? Daniel Hunter, um, Harrison Smith, even, you know, Kirk Cousins, if he waived his no trade clause, if a team was up for a one-year rental and he wanted to pay him down the road, there's a lot of ifs there, but that's a possibility. And then they just, they welcome in the 49ers and just club them over the head. And Kirk Cousins looks spectacular. I mean, he was incredible. Yeah. He, he played the kind of game against a really good defense without Justin Jefferson, by the way, that suggests. Uh, it's, it's, I love Colin Cowherd's analogy. I mean, it really is like Nickelback. Like nobody wants to say they like Nickelback out, out in public. <laughs> but if, if a Nickelback song comes on the radio, you, you're probably going to listen all the way through. You know, there's a few good ones in there. Uh, <laughs> he looked really good. He, 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 can, he can go on a playoff run. Uh, I think if you're the Vikings, go for it. Uh, you know, it depends when people are listening to this. Maybe Jordan Love and the Packers beat them at Lambeau Field, and this sounds like an idiotic take, <laughs> but the Vikings are rolling. I wouldn't be surprised if they roll right into Lambeau and, and beat Green Bay soundly. 
And if that's the case, now you're 500. You're going to get Justin Jefferson back in a couple weeks. I know Quasi Adolfo Mensa, the general manager, he's a metrics guy. Um, he values picks. You know, he, he really, really values picks, especially with Lewis Seen unable to even get on the field as a first rounder, their first pick. I, I got to think that they're at least entertaining the thought of becoming a buyer when they could have been a seller before that yeah. game, which is crazy. But it's, you know, each game, as opposed to the NBA, each game in the NFL is that important that it can completely be a pendulum swing to how you view your chances and how you philosophically, philosophically view team building. Um, it was that kind of game, that kind of seminal moment, I think. Like I said, with the caveat that they'd be Green Bay Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I agree. I mean, that was a terrific win. Uh, right now in Tampa, that's where the fans are conflicted because we look good in the beginning of the season. And then the last three weeks have been brutal. So it's, do you sell and try to get some picks and, you know, kind of throw your hat in the mix for, you know, uh, Caleb Williams or Drake May or one of these top players? Or do you go try to buy? Uh, I know a lot of fans here are hoping that they tank, but we'll see. Uh, last question for you. What are your thoughts on this 2024 NFL draft? Because I'm, I imagine if you're an NFL team, looking at this upcoming class and how loaded it is, that's going to factor into your decision at the trade deadline, you know, whether you want to give those picks up. Um, it seems like this could be a very special class. What are your thoughts on this draft? Yeah, that, that that's the big question. It's like nobody is is going to outright tank give up in a locker room, right? Guys, guys are going to try to win, but the management and the coaching staff can connive and move off some of their best players because it might be that kind of class. And I hate to say it. I really do. I, I think that tanking is, it's so ill-advised and you could poison your building beyond belief. We saw with the Cleveland Browns when they did it to the extreme with Hugh Jackson, Sashi Brown, it was, it was really bad. Like I said, I live here in Buffalo, Buffalo Sabres. They did it for uh, Connor McDavid. They almost got Connor McDavid. The Constellation Prize, Jack Eichel, didn't work out too well. It was funny. Like that Sabres season with Tim Murray as the GM, if there's hockey fans listening, like a, a player for the Sabres would have one good game and they were just like trade them to get anything they could. <laughs> like, like they, it was like, oh, you're a good player. We're trying to lose. Get Bye. the hell out of here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that's like funny. football, you that's an 82 game schedule though. You can't, it's hard to really do that in football when there's so much on the line every single week, right? It's such a violent game. You're asking players to go out there and, and, you know, risk brain damage and ligament damage and everything. Uh, it's, it's a tough needle to thread, but then you look at a Caleb Williams highlight package and you think, well, you know, if you've got a shot at that, uh, I, I kind of get it to an extent. I do. I just think the odds are still so stacked against you to be the team that gets that player. You never know what can happen. You could be the New York Jets against the Rams and luck into a win and wind up with Zach Wilson instead of Trevor Lawrence. Um, I Honestly, I haven't really been studying like Drake May. I've just kind of, you know, tertiary, just on the outside, looking in, watching these games on Saturdays here and there. He's good, <laughs> right? I mean, I, I think he's good. Scouts seem to like him too. I just think these teams are going to have to, they're going to have to tank and, and know what comes with it though. If that's what you're yeah. going to do, right? If you're going to try to lose, um, you're going to do some damage with veterans in your locker room. You're going to do damage to the building. It's going to be hard to like escape that state and build a winner. And I, that's why I did kind of like Tampa Bay still trying to win. I mean, Carlton Davis sits there and says like, no, we are going to wreck stuff. Didn't say mm -hmm. stuff. 
Like we, we, <laughs> we the league is in for a rude awakening, and they have a good defense. Yet at the same time, Baker Mayfield has limitations. Baker Mayfield, yeah. it appears at this point, will take you so far. You know, even when he completes some of these passes, it's weird. Like his delivery, everything is just very laborsome. You know what I mean? It's just it's it's just not natural and fluid, and they just there's something missing offensively. So if you've got a shot at that quarterback, I I get it. I just don't know what your odds are. I I'd, I'd still if I'm running a team, I'd still try to win. Just try to win. See what happens. If you're not good enough, you get a good pick. Then so be it. I mean the Bills. They made the playoffs the year before they drafted Josh Allen. Um, yeah. Gr- granted, like they had an extra first round pick, thanks to trading out of the pick that got the Chiefs Patrick Mahomes. When the owner Terry Pagula loved Patrick Mahomes before anybody even really knew much about him, which is another story. So Allen, in a roundabout way, was kind of their, their consolation prize. But there's there's so many different ways you can try to manipulate your way up a draft board. So many different ways to find a quarterback that I just don't like the idea of everybody thinking the only way to do it is to suck and get a high pick. Yeah, I agree. I feel like a lot of fans see it happen in the NBA. So now they think, oh, you know, there's no lottery in the NFL. This is the perfect time to do it. But I think looking at the NFL this season, there's like 11 or 12 teams that if you told me they won the number one pick or or got the number one pick, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. I I don't think this is the year either to tank and potentially ruin your culture and uh, blow things up when you know, you could go and tank and trade players off and then still end up with like the eighth or ninth pick because there's that many bad teams. That's also part of it. So, yeah. There's different ways to do it too. Like, remember the Jared Goff trade? Everybody thought that he was just collateral damage in the Lions. They're getting all these picks for Matthew Stafford. But, oh my God, you got to like eat Jared Goff's contract and he's washed clearly. Yeah. Well, Brad Holmes was in, he was in LA. Like, he's in their personnel department. He knew Jared Goff. They knew what they had in him. And they also knew, I think he was only like, 28, 29 at the time, because he was drafted really young. So they were smart about it. They're like, okay, like we found the perfect trading partner for Stafford and we do kind of like golf, but this is a three-year plan. It's going to take a while for us to get the guys that we want, the character of guys that we want. Uh, But Jared Goff's young too. So maybe by the time we turn it around, he's still relatively at a ripe age of whatever he is, 32 now. And this thing can work and and it worked. So that's why I commend these teams for just trying something different. It's been ugly in Atlanta, but at least they are trying something different with Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke. Like, I, it might not yeah. always work out, but I like these teams that think outside of the box. Yeah, Jason Light's been one of those guys, too, in Tampa. I mean, he went and found Tom Brady. So I think, yeah, I'm not a big fan of the tanking idea. Um, I'm interested to see what the Bucks end up doing, but I'm with you. I think uh, I'd rather see them try to keep their picks and, and go with a different route there. Yeah. But I appreciate you joining me, man. This has been so much fun. Uh, again, if you guys have not checked out go, golongtd.com, it's fantastic. Golong is one of the best NFL sites out there. The features are incredible. You should absolutely be subscribing and, and getting all those articles right sent to your email. Uh, Tyler, thanks so much for your time, man. Hey, Alex, thank you so much for the kind words too. And uh, at any time, like, like I said, a couple kids, it's a game of Tetris sometime with the schedule. <laughs> But we'll, we'll work around, around it and make it happen. Just, just say the word. Really appreciate you having me. Appreciate that, man. Everyone, make sure you're following Tyler at Ty Dunn. Be sure to subscribe to Go Long TD. And uh, if you guys want to hear more episodes of this show, check us out every Tuesday and Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Subscribe wherever you're listening. And until next Tuesday, thanks for watching.